0: You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nada as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick, how are you doing today? Doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. You ready to uh, record another episode of the podcast? Let's do this. All right. So, uh, kind of a kind of a funny topic today. In a way, because it's not something we normally would like to talk about. But you know, good old Bernie Madoff. Everybody yeah, remember. Funny in a uh, funny in a not so right, funny way, right, right, right. <laughs> right. And uh, the inspiration for today is is uh, a couple years ago I had a client when he was becoming a client say to me in the middle of talking about what being a client meant. This is all good, but how do I know you're not? Just like Bernie Madoff. And, <laughs> you know, it's a question in this business we all, you know, face in some form or another. And we'd like to ignore it. But the fact of the matter is, bad actors exist and we live in a business based on trust, right? Absolutely. So, what we're going to talk about today is just some basic due diligence things that investors can do. To make sure that the financial planner, or broker or advisor that they're working with is not a Bernie Madoff,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just some you know basic stuff that everybody should be
0: doing and paying attention to. Right. Um, right, right. And I guess you know it has been a while, so we should probably maybe there's some folks out there that don't remember that Bernie Madoff was the head of the NASD and run a huge ran a huge investment company. And managed to, over the course of 30 or 40 years, steal about $65 billion was the the estimate from the Justice Department.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, that was a a crazy story and and one that I think everybody really heard about. Um, But oftentimes, you know, we hear stuff all the time about even um, Mm -hmm. local financial planners that are running similar schemes or getting into similar trouble um, on a regular basis. So that Bernie is obviously the most recognizable, but it happens
0: far too often. Right, right, right. So... So here's just a, a couple things to keep in mind, and again, I, I, we should probably also say at the beginning, you know, nothing's foolproof. So, um, you know, we're going to give you some yeah. some ideas and things that can help, and uh, we'll go from there. the uh, The first thing I would point out to folks is that you can go to a website called BrokerCheck.org, and that's the government's repository for licensing and registration. Mm -hmm. and covers brokers, but also investment advisors and records their registrations and proves that everything shows that everything's up to
1: date. Yeah. So kind of what you're looking for there is one, if you are putting your broker, or the financial planner that you're working with, if you put their information in there, they should have a record. They should show up. So if they don't show up, that's kind of a little bit of a red flag because if they have license or if they're licensed to do the work that you are Um, more than likely engaging with them on they should show up here, but also not just that they're there and that they have licenses, but also what's their business history? Has there been any complaints? So Mm -hmm. who have they worked for in the past? Are they currently listed as working for the company that they told you that they were working for, or are they currently listed as not? No longer in the industry or have been banned or barred. That's obviously right. a big red right. flag. But also some of the complaints. So, it, you know, it will show you if there's been a complaint filed and there will be some sort of resolution to that complaint, whether it was fines, whether it was unfounded. And it's not necessarily that your broker shouldn't have anything that shows up. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be a one or two off complaints that have filed that were unsubstantiated, mm-hmm. but that gives you the ammo to go back to your broker or your advisor and say, hey, what's this all about? So they right. can explain it and so right. you that you can make sure that it makes sense right. in moving forward and continuing to work with them. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: I've, I've known at least uh, two folks in my career who had complaints on their licenses that were. Mostly unfounded, or at least uh, there were two sides to the story, but it does make a good uh, a good starting point for that conversation anyway. The other thing to point out is that the actual licensing and credentials aren't as important as looking for you know that there's consistency in their record and and not complaints, mm-hmm. and because there's different registrations and different licensing based on what your role in the industry is. For instance, you and I both would show on our broker check that we at one time we were series seven licensed because we acted as, as right. brokers for a brokerage firm back in the day. And we no longer have those licenses. So it shows on there that we did it one time and now we don't, but we don't need them anymore as registered investment advisors. So so the actual licensing is is more about the role that the person plays than um and and don't 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 be too caught up in which licenses are for which, because they're probably appropriately licensed for what they're doing.
1: Right. Absolutely. And and that just gives you information as the consumer to go out and ask the questions, right? right? Like I would welcome somebody to come and ask me, why don't you have your Series 7s anymore? Why did you give that up? Um, Because there's a logical explanation. We don't need it anymore. We don't do brokerage. We don't sell things, so we don't need it anymore, all that Makes sense intuitively. Right. Where, you know, if somebody had a different answer that maybe didn't yeah. make sense, then that's kind of a red flag that you need to maybe do some more digging. But exactly. and, and all of this too. And, and it'll probably come up a couple of times, but if you're not sure about something or something doesn't seem right, ask questions. Don't feel like it's a, you know, that you should know exactly what licenses a broker has, because there's literally, you know, a, probably a hundred different licenses that are potentially out right. there. If you start throwing credentials on top of that, right. I don't even know what they all are. So how could anybody reasonably expect you to um, ask those questions It's a great point of, of, for you to go out and get more information from your broker, or if something seems a little fishy, you can go out and do some more research into something. And
0: so the second thing that we would recommend people do to, to check on on a potential advisor is look into their credentials. So credentials are different than licensing. Credentials are from an outside certifying agency, usually, such as the certified financial planner board. There's there's several different credentials out there. We we're both CFPs, certified financial planners. And right. to be a certified financial planner, you have to disclose legal issues, you have to Maintain continuing education. You have to pass all of their, their hurdles to, to maintain your certification. So if someone's holding themselves out as a as a CFP, you can go to the CFP Board Planner uh, Planner Board of Standards and check those credentials and make sure that that they're doing what they say they.
1: Right. And uh to that point too, Dave, a lot of times what um like the CFP board, for example, has a fiduciary standard, so they're held to a higher standard, which means that you might have a CFP that has a disclaimer or disclosure on their cfp board um website but it might not necessarily show up on the Finra right because those things are a little bit different and so making sure you're checking into those things like that if they're you know and also figuring out what those letters mean right mm-hmm. uh, not everybody knows what a cfp means or a clu which is what i have and there's a lot of different you know, acronyms and, and letters behind names. What do some of those things mean? Some of them might not even apply. Right, right. Right. So, if I'm getting investment advice from a CPA, which is a certified public accountant, that's not necessarily the same thing. At, you know, there, being a certified public accountant doesn't really give you any investment experience right, uh, just on that right.
0: outset. So, be careful about that too. We could do probably a couple hours of content talking about all the different uh, acronyms out there.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, the CPA is an easy one to understand. Most accountants, that next level is, okay, we'll go out and get the CPA. In the financial planning world, unfortunately, there's 20 different ones that all have different merit and (laughs) all have different standards. And unfortunately, it's not like, hey, I'm a financial planner, so I need to go out and get this. Um, Unfortunately, it's a little bit murkier than that, so you have to dig a little bit deeper.
0: We uh, will hopefully have some good news on that the next year, from what I've heard, a legal standpoint. Yeah. Requirements. So, the next thing that you can use as a check once you are a client is you should get statements from a custodian. When we talk about custodians, that's the firm that an advisor contracts with or that a broker is a broker for whom holds your investments. So, here we're talking about Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or Schwab one of those companies, and they will produce statements that you can either receive via email or you can receive them in hard copy, but they're not coming from your advisor's office. They're coming from some home office somewhere where they're actually recording that there is an account in your name or titled as you know, maybe your IRA or, or what have you, but that is your account and what the holdings are in that account. And the reason for that, that you, you should have access to a custodian statement is back to back to Bernie Madoff, I mean, they, they were producing statements showing one thing while the people's accounts were different than what you were showing them. Right.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, in this day
0: and age, it's really easy to go
1: out and manufacture a statement and put in numbers. Um, so and, and put your logo on it, sure. right? You know, they, we've got people that can do amazing things. And there's all kinds of, of scammers out there that can create these emails and, and fake um, things. And so this is one of those where you want to ask the question of your advisor or your broker, where are my accounts going to be custody? And it's a little bit unintuitive, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go to a bank, let's say you go to Fifth Third Bank and you open an account there where your money is held, you're going to get a statement from Fifth Third Bank and that makes sense, right? If you go to an investment advisor or a broker a, like a shotwell rudder bear, you're not. We do not hold any of your cash or securities here. Mm-hmm. It's held at a brokerage, um, and, and predominantly we use TD Ameritrade. And so, knowing that and, and where those accounts are custodied, and making sure that you're getting statements that say TD Ameritrade that are from TD Ameritrade, mm-hmm. and you have an account number at TD Ameritrade. And if you want to even go one step further, finding TD Ameritrade's number on the internet, not on your. Statement, but on the internet and calling TD Ameritrade mm-hmm. and making sure you have an account there, that's a good step to make sure that you have accurate information and you know where right. your account and your money is
0: held. Right, right. It's, it's quite common for us to produce in-house in the office a uh, performance statement with our logo right. and account values and everything. But that, that's different than the statements independently produced by your custodian. And there's a little bit of a tension here because, you know, we would always want a client that wants information to call us, right? Right. And, and, you know, I'm not, we're not putting this out there that our clients should be calling TD Ameritrade or SEI all the time we want. But, you know, you should have that ability and be comfortable with that if you were worried about the status of your investments, that you could get that information from an outside source. So for sure. Yeah. And we would never
1: we would never tell a client, hey, don't call TD Ameritrade. They don't want to talk right. to you. You don't <laughs> want to talk to them. You know, if you want to verify, please call by all means call TD Ameritrade. They will give you the information, the same information. And once you kind of connect those two things, then you don't necessarily have to worry about it and continue to call TD Ameritrade for information. But if you're unsure about it or if something feels weird or if something doesn't match up, absolutely verify that don't feel again don't feel like you're dumb or don't know the right answer and just you know yeah. let it go because that's the time when people get into trouble
0: right and and that really that's that's kind of the theme for this whole discussion is trust but verify you know we're in an industry right. absolutely this industry requires trust at a certain level but you know be be willing to verify and understand what you're responsible for. For
1: our clients, we do the same thing, right? We have a lot of trust in TD Ameritrade that they're going to A, do what they say mm-hmm. and they're going to custody and do the things that they need to do with our client's money. But we're constantly calling them up and verifying right. that things are happening right. and that things should be done the way that they need to be done. And if not, have, making sure it's fixed. Right. So it's not just on the client
0: side, on our side too. Yep. Yep. And so so the fourth point to make is, in addition to your statements, you're going to occasionally get trans transaction confirmations, distribution notices. And uh, one thing that some custodians do that I really like is once a year, they send out a notice of what bank accounts are linked to your investment account. And Mm -hmm. because that, that, that brings to your attention as the client, Hey, you know, there's a bank account on that's attached to my investment account that isn't mine. Now, most of the time when we find discrepancies, it's because an account was closed or, you know, somebody changed banks and didn't tell us. But, you know, it's kind of a double check that, hey, you know, someone else's account is linked to my investment account. Why is that? And Mm -hmm. um, so pay attention to those and watch those transactions. Yeah, Yeah. uh, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And with the bank links, um, I don't think... Everybody is necessarily aware of this, but it should only be your bank account, right? So your mm-hmm. advisor should not have their bank account linked to your account. Fees get processed. If you're paying fees, they get processed through TD Ameritrade and TD Ameritrade credits that it doesn't go directly right. to your to their bank account. So it should only be your mm-hmm. bank accounts. There's no reason why anybody's bank account, but your bank account that you're transferring money to should be linked to your account. Um, so uh, So definitely be aware of that and making sure that you are, you know, following the statements and the transaction confirmations, but also, and and, you know, a lot of people might not, not like hearing this, but the best way to keep up to date on this stuff is to have electronic access Um, because then you can see it in real time because you're only getting a statement once a month and your get your transaction confirmations come a couple of weeks after the transaction. So the more in tune you can be with it if you think something funny is going on and verifying through electronic,
0: the best way it is to to keep track of those things. Don't be afraid to ask. Absolutely. Another point along the lines of discussing custodians is if you're depositing money to your investment account, your check will be made out to that custodian. It won't be made out to Shotwell, Rudder, Bear, or XYZ financial planning firm down the street, it will be made out to TD Ameritrade for the benefit of you or Fidelity for the benefit of you. And um, the only time a check should be made out to an advisory firm is if you're paying a fee, paying an invoice separate from the investment.
1: Absolutely. And to take that one step further, because a lot of people aren't writing checks anymore, they're doing electronic transfers, it should show up on your bank account as, hey, this money went to TD Ameritrade. Mm-hmm. TD Ameritrade should be, or whatever your custodian should be, the name that shows up for that electronic transaction, whether it's an ACH or a wire, Right? It should not be your investment professional's name or information or company. It should be the custodian. The
0: last thing is a little more subjective, but does the performance that you're being told that your account has gotten does that make sense? Um, right. You know, if uh, if your performance reports or if your advisor is telling you that your account did outstanding at a time when you know the markets and the economy have not been outstanding, take a closer look at that. You know, because a good money manager may beat the market occasionally, but they won't beat it consistently and it won't be by large amounts.
1: Yeah. Trust but
0: verify. Right. Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, if, if your account's up and every, you know, the market's down um, and the separation of that, you know, how much is your account up versus down and, and what are you invest knowing kind of generally what are you're invested in really helps that. And if you're not sure, ask. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting the same answer from your investment person, and it just doesn't quite ring true, maybe have somebody verify and, and ask somebody outside of that office would be a good step with that. Um, but yeah, that's where a lot of people get in trouble just, you know, hey, everything keeps going up. So it's good. I don't have to yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Right? Trust, but verify. Yeah. So if everything goes up 6% every year, unless you have something fixed that's giving you a guaranteed rate of return, um, which by the way, won't be at six. percent, But, um, <laughs> and, le- and so that doesn't make sense to get consistent, the same performance every single year and the same performance up every single year, unless you're in something, you know, that's fixed or guaranteed. So make sure that you check those things, make sure that you verify some right. of that, um, you know, and it's, it's not, in some, and don't be afraid to be wrong. Right. So, you know, a lot of clients right now that are opening statements are going, "Hey, the market did pretty good this year." Um, that seems a little bit strange because you know the economy—we just went through a global pandemic—and so you know, yes, that is in fact somewhat true. The market did have a pretty good year mm-hmm. despite the global pandemic, and you can verify that by looking at what the S and P 500 and the Dow Jones has done this year. Yeah. So
0: you can start to kind of put the pieces together, right? Right, and. Circling back to uh, our friend, uh, Bernie Madoff, that was one thing that came out after, the, um, after he was arrested is a lot of other investment managers going, yeah, the, uh, the, the way he was saying he was invested just did not fit at all with what the performance was showing. So um, it's not easy to ask a, you know, an end user, a client to understand. Or to be able to verify that but it's it's basically does it pass the smell test you know does it right does it seem to make sense so absolutely again nothing's foolproof but here's a few tools we hope uh will help uh, i you know i like to put this stuff out there not to undermine trust but to hopefully build trust by showing folks that there are ways you can try to sort out the bad actors from the good and 99.9% of people in this industry are on the good side. It's those, yeah. It's those those big, big loudmouth cases that get the attention and and, and spoil it for everybody else.
1: Right. And, and, you know, and what we learned today, trust, but verify. Right. Um, And, and and what I would tell you is if somebody wanted to verify something that we were doing, we'd be happy to show them. Right. And if some, and if you have a bad apple, chances are, if you try to verify something with them, they're either going to get upset or they're going to push you in a different direction. So be very wary of that too stay safe out there and and don't be afraid to ask questions I think is another big one. Yeah, right. Hopefully this is this helpful because it's rare, but it happens. And and you certainly don't want to be in one of those spots. Well,
0: thank you, Nick. And I will catch you next time. Sounds great, Dave. Gather round and follow the kitchen table finance podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.